Ezekiel chapter 37, starting in verse 1. The Bible reads like this, that the hand of the Lord was upon me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. Somebody say bones. He led me back and forth among them, and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. Somebody say very dry. He asked me, Son of man, can these bones live? I said, O sovereign Lord, you alone know. Then he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath into you and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. Skipping down to verse 10. He says, so I prophesied as he commanded me, breath entered them, they came to life, and stood up on their feet, a vast army. Somebody say an army. Father, I pray that you would raise up an army in Jesus' name. And everybody together said, amen. You could go ahead and be seated. Praise the Lord. I'm going to get right into this. Amen. Is it okay if I just go right into it? Praise the Lord. You ready? I feel the Lord really wants to minister to somebody's life. And uh, you, you've had your presentations and you see the vision that the ministry has. We have a vision to reach locally, definitely. But I thank God for a vision that God went past the borders of Hayward or past the borders of even America so that I could not only get saved, but live out my destiny in Christ. And, and I believe that where I'm at is where God wants me to be. And if it wasn't for that, I don't know if I would have made it, Pastor D. If they would have had me sitting in a pew somewhere, come on, somebody. I probably would have got bored, and I would have been on a pipe right now. Come on, somebody. But not only did God save me from my past, but he placed a calling on me. And I believe he's done that for each and every one of us. And it's, it's our responsibility to engage with not only the deliverance from the past, but why has God saved us? Why are we still alive? Why is it that situations and circumstances that should have overcame us, they didn't overcome us? There was something that kept us alive. And I, I believe it's very important that every Christian, not just Victory Outreach, Christian period, finds out why has God not only saved you, but what is your purpose for life? And whatever, minus the mission field, not everybody's going to be a missionary. But what is your purpose? And I believe here in this portion of Scripture, when you think of United We Can and Run for Hope, I believe God has a calling on each and every one of our lives. But getting into that calling takes time. Tell your neighbor it takes time. Tell your other neighbor it's a process. And as you and I continually engage in our walk and our journey with the Lord, we must conti be continually reminded that God's progressive work within our lives is always with the end in mind. He starts at point A with Z in mind, knowing that he's got to take us from A to B to C and all the way through the different steps to get us to the level that he wants to be in. But when he starts, he has that final product, that final picture in mind. See, when he created the world, he started on day one with day seven in mind. When Jesus called Peter, the world called him Cephas, 
giving an image of instability, but God called him Peter, meaning a rock. The world seen one thing, but God seen another thing. See, when Jesus interrupted Paul's life, the world seen a religious radical who was persecuting and destroying the church, but God seen a missionary that he would raise up to reach out to the unclean nation called the Gentiles. When, the, when God reached Pastor Sonny Argonzoni, the world seen a drug addict that deserved to spend the rest of his life in prison, but God seen a man that he would raise up to reach the inner cities of the world. The world may see one thing, but God sees another thing. Come on, somebody. The world may see one thing, but God sees another thing. When he reaches us, he knows where he wants us. When he gets us, whether it's in the home or the church or the gang or a life group or wherever God steps in. And one thing we must understand, you can mess up the plan, but you can't mess up the planner. Come on, somebody. God don't have a reverse, but he does make U-turns. Come on, somebody. He'll turn back around and come by and swoop you up. Come on, somebody. How many of you ever had a, you, you were serving the Lord for a period of time, may have got a little distracted, got a little diverted? How many know he didn't leave you out there? He even made a U-turn and came back and got you. How many know God is faithful? Come on, you need to clap a little bit if you believe in the faithfulness of God. You can mess up the plan, but you can't mess up the planner. See, God's work in a person's life is always with the end in mind. And when we look at this portion of Scripture in the book of Ezekiel, we could see that God started off with this group of bones. They were a group of bones that were dead and that they were dry. But then the Lord began to take these bones through a process, and eventually they stood up and became a vast army. They started off one way. They ended up in a whole other way. And I believe that is the same with you and I, that when we come to Christ, my tie is going to get all messed up, so don't get distracted by the tie. Come on, somebody. I might just take this thing off, throw it away. Hallelujah. You know I look smooth, though. Come on, somebody. Don't hate. Hallelujah. <laughs> when God, I didn't always look this. Come on, somebody. When God gets you from one place and starts to work and starts to deal and starts to chip away at the person that you are, he always has a final product in mind. In other words, he wants to take you from one condition and be able to bring you to a whole new condition. How many want to go after what God has for their lives? Come on, how many remembered where they were? Come on, somebody. How many remember just walking through the doors, kind of confused and not really knowing what was going to happen? I remember coming into the home. I wasn't looking for Jesus. Come on, somebody. I came into the home trying to weasel my way out of a three-year prison sentence, and I said, man, there's a way of getting out of prison and getting into the home. I wasn't looking for Jesus, but Jesus was looking for me. I came into that home. I didn't know what to expect inside of that home. I was just coming to a program. Come on, somebody. I thought I was just going to come to some meetings or some program and give some clean tests and eventually get released from that home and go back to that drug life and go back to that street life. But little did I know that inside of that home, there was going to be a supernatural thing that was happening that even though I wasn't looking for God, God was looking for me. I got good news for you here this morning. I'm not sure what condition you may be in, but God has a plan for your life. Go ahead and clap if you believe it just a little bit. I came in looking like a little dinosaur. I was like Jurassic Park. Come on, somebody. 
I was on meth. Man. I was like, had little twitches. Come on, somebody. How many know we didn't come in perfect? Hallelujah. But God didn't leave us in that condition. Come on. We got a little new suit here this morning. Come on. We're not riding on bikes no more. We're getting in airplanes and traveling the world and telling people about Jesus. We start in one condition, but he brings us. Oh, I need a little people that remember where you were. Remember how broken you were. Remember how lost. But God didn't leave us like that. He stepped in, delivered, set us free, and has raised us up to be the people that we are today. I need you to clap a little bit if you're grateful here this afternoon. He's a good God. He starts with one condition, but he doesn't leave us in that condition. He starts working. Some of us come in, our marriage is in a certain situation, but he don't leave it like that. Some of us come in, our finances are in a certain situation, but he don't leave us like that. Some of us mentally and emotionally, we come in, but as the Holy Spirit begins to minister to us, change and breakthrough begins to take place. I want to look a little bit at that before I get in to bring in this thing to a close. The first thing I want to look at is the initial condition. Somebody say the initial condition. See, even though God has the end in mind, getting us to that end takes time. Similar to the image painted here in Ezekiel 37, many of us, when we first came to the Lord or even came to the church from wherever we were coming from, not everybody was a dope fiend. Come on, somebody. Chica didn't smoke no dope. I smoked enough for all of us. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Hallelujah. Come on, somebody. Not everybody came in from drugs and gangs, but regardless of where we came from, we all came in a little hurting. You want to fix your car? Take it to the mechanic. You want to fix your life? Come to Jesus. Come on, somebody. You want to fix your marriage? Come to Jesus. Hallelujah. And we all came in hurt, vulnerable, even devastated in a state or condition. The Bible says that Ezekiel, this was an image that God had given Ezekiel and as he looked at these bones and he looked at their condition, it was an image of the children of Israel. And God was giving him a picture of the condition of the people that he loved. And he was showing them where they were, but he was also showing them where he wanted to bring them. In other words, they look like this now, but I don't want to leave them like this. And so he began to give Ezekiel some instructions. And the Bible says in verse 2, he led me back and forth among them and I saw a great many bones on the floor somebody say on the floor on the floor of the valley bones that were very dry they weren't just dry they were very dry Toby was very dry come on someone come on Toby huh? we, were, we were dry right we were frickle brother come on now huh? we were like that crinkle back on that foil we came back come on somebody we were very dry hallelujah just come on somebody I got to keep all of you in it. Hallelujah. The Bible says that they were on the floor of the valley. Now, the floor of the valley represented a low place in battle where a group of soldiers were caught in a trap by the enemy army. In other words, they were lured to a low place, and as they were lured into a low place, they were ambushed by the enemy. And the Bible says that as they were lured into a low place, then ambushed by the army, in other words, they were destroyed, but then the Bible talks about them being dry bones. 
Now, according to Torah law, when someone died, they had the right to be buried. But this group of soldiers was not buried, but they were left out. This meant that the army that had destroyed them wanted to leave them out to not only destroy them, but to humiliate them. Lured them to a low place, destroyed them, and left them out to be laughed at. Come on, somebody. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Lured them into a low place. A group of soldiers that had been deceived and lured into a place by the enemy and then left out to be laughed at by the world around them. I believe that this is similar to some of us. That when you think about our lives and you think about some of the backgrounds that we come from, some of us grew up at a young age and some of us grew up in certain settings and certain places and at a young age began to get involved in certain lifestyles. At a young age began to get lured into a certain lifestyle, a certain place, began to smoke a little weed or smoke a little this or smoke a little that. And, and at first it was fun and at first it was enjoyable and pretty soon the enemy started luring us deeper and deeper and deeper into a low place and after got us into a low place the world around us started laughing at us come on somebody the judge and the teachers and the different people that were looking at us I remember a fifth grade teacher prophesying a, 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 a demonic prophecy over my life saying calling my parents and saying Chucky's gonna end up in prison Chucky's gonna end up with this Chucky's I was in a low place and it was left to be a humiliation to my family but I thank God I thank God for the grace and the mercy of Jesus Christ that even though we were lured into a low place come on somebody even though maybe the world around us was laughing I got good news they ain't laughing no more come on somebody we ain't in a low place no more because God don't leave us in that condition go ahead and clap if you're grateful here this morning they were lured in other words they didn't see the enemy as they were making certain decisions and they got lured it could happen even in your journey you could be doing good. And the, Paul, and the apostle Paul said, what happened to you? You were doing so good. Who bewitched you? It's not only before Christ. It's even in Christ. You can get lured to thinking the grass is greener on the other side. The grass ain't greener on the other side. Pastor Steve used to say the grass is greener where you water it. Come on, somebody. It may not be green right now, but you got to work it. Come on now. Don't try to pick up and go over there because it looks green because you could get lured by the enemy. And then the enemy not only lures you, but he tries to devastate you that you never make it back. But how many thank God that he's a faithful God? Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. The world seen them as a defeated army left in a state of humiliation. But God still seen a group of people that he would be able to minister and raise up to become a mighty army. So not only the initial condition, but maybe the process of restoration. Let me look at this real fast. The Bible says that Ezekiel looked at them, he seen them in the condition they were in, and they were real bad to the point where God said, can these bones live again? And he said, only you know, God. I, I think some of us, I think that's what they said when I came in. They said, can Chucky change? He said, only you know, God. Come on, somebody. Uh-huh. When we come in, it doesn't, on the outside, it looks like an impossible case. 
Come on, somebody, in an impossible situation, but God is able. And they were such in a bad place or such in a low condition that not even Ezekiel knew, but he said, only you know, God. In other words, what's impossible with man is possible with Jesus Christ. How many know God is able to turn things around? And so he leads him and he says, okay, Ezekiel, I want you to prophesy to these bones. And say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you and you will come to life. Then you will know I am the Lord. Let's look a little bit at that. The Bible says that Ezekiel began to prophesy. How many know when the man of God does what God says he's going to do, things happen? In other words, he didn't know if these bones were going to live, ago, live again, but he did what he was told to do. God told him to prophesy. He said, I don't know if these bones are going to live, but I'm going to do what I was told. Come on, somebody. And how many know that as pastors and as leaders, sometimes we're just doing what God told us to do? We're not sure the outcome. Come on, somebody. We hope for the best. Hallelujah. But sometimes when we look in the natural, we can even doubt ourselves. But we got to be obedient anyway. Come on, somebody. When I first went to Indonesia, I was just being obedient anyway. Come on now. I didn't know if anything good was going to happen. I didn't know if anything was going to take place. But they had told me to go to Indonesia, so I went to Indonesia. And then God began to speak to me and said, don't worry about the mosque. Just go to the, to the vision. Go under the bridge and snatch dope fiends out. And I began to get the drug addicts and bring them in the home. And here we are today. There's still a victory outreach in Bandung, Indonesia. Come on, somebody. And Ezekiel began to do what God told him to do. He started speaking over these bones. How many know good things happen when you sit under the word? Come on now. He began to prophesy to these bones. The Bible says that as he was speaking, that the bones began to make noise. Come on, somebody. The bones started making noise. And then the Bible says there was a rattling sound. And then the bones came together, bone to bone. He says, and then I looked tendons and flesh appeared on them. In other words, they started looking better after they were sitting under the word. I want to look at this real fast. The first thing that started happening as he was prophesying or as he was speaking life over these bones, the first thing that began to take place is they began to make noise. And how many know that, you know, when you're sitting in the house of God, the word of God is alive. So whether you understand it or don't understand it, things begin to come back alive in your life. Come on, somebody. As you're sitting under the word, things begin to take place. And the first thing that took place is these bones started making a noise. And when I think about my journey and I think about my process, the first thing that began to come back to me is I started getting my voice back. For a long time, no one really wanted to hear what Chucky had to say. My dad's here. He said, boy, you a liar, right? Come on. He said, you lie so much, the only time you ain't lying is when you're sleeping. Come on, somebody. And even when you're sleeping, you're thinking about lies. Come on now. My voice carried no weight. My voice had no influence. My voice had no respect. My voice had no dignity. But as I sat under the word, come on, somebody. As I sat under the word, things began to happen. And all of a sudden, hey, Chucky, can you pray for the meal? Hey, Chucky, can All of a sudden, when I began to speak, people began to listen. Because God begins to give you your voice back. God begins to give you your respect back. How many thank God that they're getting their voice back? Come on, somebody. 
Sometimes when we first come into the house of God, we, we, the Lord, the devil, the, not the Lord, but the, the enemy has stripped us so much that we feel intimidated to speak. We feel insecure to speak. We feel complex to speak. But as you're sitting under the word and you're sitting under the house of God, pretty soon you start getting your shout back. Pretty soon you start getting your worship back. How many of the, the, the Lord has given you back your shout? How many know you, you start feeling good again and pretty soon you start letting out a little praise the Lord. You start letting out a hallelujah. Yeah. You, start, you don't have to be quiet anymore. You don't have to be in that corner no more. Come complex and insecure that the, the Lord begins to break your fears and your doubts all of a sudden you get a new confidence you get your dignity back how many of the Lord gives us our dignity back how many got their shout back here this morning how many remember being complex and insecure but the Lord has broke that over your life and here you are you got a new shout this afternoon you begin to get your voice back. You get your worship back. You begin to come out of that box and you start worshiping and you start opening your mouth and people start listening to what you say. The Lord is able to give us back our voice. Second thing that began to happen is not only did they get their voice back, but the Bible says they started rattling. Come on, somebody. Start getting your moves back. I seen Greg, he said, round and round, what did he say? Round and round, everywhere you go, round and round. I seen Greg like, round and round. I was like, do the stanking leg, come on. <laughs> he was like, round and round. Hey, he wouldn't have did that in that prison. He would have been with that back against the wall and, and back like this and looking like that. But now he's here in the house of the Lord, delivered and set free, not worried about who's watching him. Not only did he get his voice back, he got his dance back. How many of the Lord has given you your step back? Come on, somebody. You start getting movement in your life. You start coming out of that mental bondage. And you start feeling good again. Start moving again. In Africa, boy, we dance. John Bellani, you guys, you guys were like back three, five years ago. We got new moves now. Come on, somebody. We got all kind of stuff. Hallelujah. Huh? And we begin to get our joy back. We begin to be able to express ourselves in the house of the Lord. We are not all plexed and all, all angry and all bitter and, and all negative all the time. All in a corner. Huh? What about that? All of a sudden the word begins to penetrate and break certain thinking patterns and break some certain emotional conditions and you come out and all of a sudden you give a good praise to the Lord. You, you can give a good amen, brother. I agree with that. I remember where I was. I remember the life that I came from and I thank God that he gave me my shout back. How many got their shout back in the house of the Lord? He gives us our shout, our voice, our dignity. We even get our moves back. I came up in a time where they used to smurf. Uh, come on, somebody. Uh, you don't want none? Come on, somebody. And I'm not saying we're going to have a big old dance in the house of God. What I'm talking about was when joy comes in your spirit. You're not so complex. You begin to move and express your gratitude in the things of God. You even get movement. You start plugging in and start getting involved in a ministry. You go to the streets on Thursday. You, 
got your tackies on. You're over there in, in uh, you know, South Garden, and, and there you are. And you say, I don't know a lot, but all I know is once I was blind, but now I see. Remember they were asking the, the, the guy, they said, who touched you? He says, I don't know who touched me. All I know is once I was blind, but now I see. That's all you got to do at South Garden and say, I don't know exactly what happened. All I know is once I was lost, but now I'm found. Once I was bound, but God delivered me. And you start getting in this flow. And you start, when the, when the church moves, you move. And you're not all disconnected and, and over here watching. Oh, where are they going now? What's going on now? Oh, my God, now. What do they want to do now? And, oh, man, man. and pretty soon the church moves, you start feeling further and further and further. And then your song switches and you say, I'm going down. Come on, somebody. Because you ain't around. Well, you got to get back in, baby. You got to get back into the family. You got to get back in to where God called you. You know, the ones that start disconnecting, they start seeing things and saying things. And you're like, but, but, but the invitation was there. And we reached out. We called. We text. We followed up. We, we, I, I, I don't know what else we're supposed to do here. <laughs> My God. Supposed to show up. Come here. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come. Hey, hey. come. There you go. Hey, no, don't. Hey, I got you. I'm taking you to a good place. Come on, somebody. I don't know if it has to go that far. Hallelujah. There's got to be a response from you and I to get into what God is doing so we can get the breakthrough that he has for our lives. How many want to experience Jesus in their lives? They started making noise. Then they started rattling. In other words, there started to be some movement. Then the Bible says they came together. The Bible says they came together bone to bone. Not only does God give us our shout back and give our movement back, but he gives us back our fellowship. How many know fellowship's important? Come on, somebody. How many know it's important to fellowship? The Bible says in Acts 2.42 that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. This was a natural reaction in the church first began. Peter preached. 3,000 people got saved. Come on, somebody. They plugged in to the apostles' teaching, to the direction, speaking to my life, the word, right? But then they also fellowshiped some of us only come to the apostles teaching well the pastors I don't get too heavy here apostles come on the pastors teaching we miss out on that fellowship this reminds me of Shadrach Meshach and Abednego you remember the three Jewish boys they were in Babylon in captivity and the Bible says that Nebuchadnezzar became successful and made a statue of himself how you got to be careful you get successful? Start making statues of yourself. He made a statue of himself. He probably said, make the chest like that. Boom. Give it some abs. Come on, somebody. He was probably a big old fat boy, too. He's like, yeah. <laughs> He's all, put a chest on that and give it some stomach muscles. Come on, somebody. <laughs> That's a different Bible study. Hallelujah. In other words, he made a statue of himself. And told everybody in the city, when you hear the music, ba-dam. Remember that, old Jack? Ba-dam. Before I make a phone call. Where's D at? Come on, D. D's like, oh. Come on, somebody. Uh, and Nebuchadnezzar had him bowing down to this statue. 
But then there was three Jewish boys that refused to bow down. Come on, somebody. How many know whenever you take a stand for God, you're going to have some haters? Mm. So then the ones that were trying to get the position, because these three Jewish boys had a little bit of position in, in, in Babylon. And so the ones that wanted that position, come on now, they went to Nebuchadnezzar and they said, Nebuchadnezzar, didn't you say that anyone that didn't bow down would be thrown into the furnace? Well, there's three Jewish boys that refused to bow down. And Nebuchadnezzar calls the, the, the Jewish boy Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and he says, is it true when the music plays that you refuse to bow down? And they said, yes, you know, I'm paraphrasing. And he says, I'm going to give you another chance. I'm going to play the music again, and you need to bow down. And if you don't bow down, I'm going to put you in this furnace. And he says, as a matter of fact, turn it up. That's it right there. He, come on, somebody. And he says, if you don't bow down, I'm going to put you in this furnace. Furnace. And they said, sorry, king. How many of you still kept their respect? How many of you still got to keep your respect? Even if you don't like Trump, you still got to respect him. Come on, somebody. Still respect authority. Come on, somebody. And they said, sorry, king. We're not going to bow down. And if you throw us in that fire, the God that we serve is able to rescue us, right? So this, but then they said, but if. So in other words, they weren't sure if God was going to rescue them or not. Come on, how many know sometimes you're just not sure? Come on now. Yeah, I'm going to go anyway, but I'm not sure exactly if he's going to come through or not. Come on, let's be real. And they said, but even if he doesn't, we still refuse to bow down. Now my question, if Shadrach was by himself, standing by himself before the king. And the king's intimidating him. I don't know if he would have had the same courage by himself. If Meshach would have been by himself, and there's no Shadrach and there's no Abednego, because he said, even if he don't, in other words, I don't know for sure if he's going to come through or not. They didn't know for sure if God was going to come through. And if they would have been by themselves, I don't know if they would have had the same courage but they said, okay, God, I, I, I trust you, I believe in you, I love you, but I'm not sure exactly if you're going to come through right now, but I also have my brother on this side, and he's with me, and I got my other brother on this side, and he's with me, so not only do I have God with me, but I got some brothers with me. So in other words, I don't have to face this challenge by myself. I'm not trying to get my, by myself. I'm not sure how far I can get by myself. I'm going to need somebody that has going through the same thing that I'm going through or maybe has been through some things that I've been through. Some of us are missing out on the Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego principle. The Bible says he took these three Jewish boys, threw them in the fire, and then he says, wow, was there only three that I threw in? It looks like there's a fourth one in there, and he looks like the son of man. See, the Bible says where two or three are gathered, 
There's a fourth one in the fire. There's a fourth one in the midst. So then the Bible says they brought that Smurf back. Come on, somebody. They was dancing in the fire. See, some people can't dance in the fire because they don't have no Shadrach and they don't have no Meshach. And every time a fire comes up, they disappear. I'm going to encourage you. When the prophecy, when Ezekiel began to speak to these bones, not only did they get their shout back, not only did they get their movement back, but they got their fellowship back. How many of great things happen when you start fellowshipping? Come on, I said how many great things happen when you start fellowshipping? Some of us are trying to fight the devil all by ourselves. God has never designed it like that. Not only has he given us him, but he's given us each other. Come on, somebody. I thank God when I'm going through a little trial, I can make a phone call and talk to somebody who's also experienced that same trial. And because they got the victory in that trial, they could speak victory into my trial. Come on, somebody. Oh, some of you are missing that one. How many want to learn to dance in the fire? Come on, somebody. How many want to stand in the fire? Because the fire is coming to all of us. There ain't no way around the fire, Pastor Stephon. I wish there was a way to get out of the fire, but at some point in every one of our lives, we're going to experience a little bit of fire, but I got good news. You don't got to be in the fire by yourself. You got Shadrach on your side. You got And when you're connected with two or three, there's Jesus right there in the middle to get us out of that fire. Hallelujah. Connection to God, but also connection to each other. Connection to each other. We don't have to do life by ourselves. 80% of the Lord, 80% of serving the Lord is a blessed time. But there's always that 20%. There's always 20% of trial that comes knocking at everybody's door. Come on, somebody. When my mom went on to be with the Lord, that was a difficult time. Little Chucky was out in, in Africa, my father, my family. Everybody's going through the different things that we had to go. Life is life. It's going to knock on everybody's door. There's no, and, and that was my trip. It's like, God, I'm a missionary. I'm on the field. I'm bringing my whole family. We're sacrificing for you. How could you allow this to happen? I was in the fire, but I wasn't in the fire alone. I can make a phone call. Anthony, listen, I'm going through it right now. The devil's lying to me. Anthony was praying for me. And I called another one. Said, Man, I'm going through it right now. The devil's lying to me. I feel for my father. I feel for my family. I, I'm confused right now. No, brother, let me speak into your life. And I wasn't alone. And because I wasn't alone, I started dancing in the fire. Come on, somebody. I started getting my dance back in the fire. Some of us got to learn and we're missing out because we don't want to connect. There's a little bit of pride sometimes that keeps us from connecting with each other. And we let the devil take us out. How many want to get a little more connected in 2017 go ahead and clap for Jesus hallelujah I felt like I had to labor that one a little bit come on somebody close to closing I can't see the time hallelujah what does it mean everything hallelujah the next thing that you see with these bones is not only do they get their shout back not only do they get their, their movement back not only do they get their fellowship back but they start looking good again Come on, somebody. The Bible says that skin started coming on them. In other words, they started looking a lot better. And how many know that God, if you look at yourself this morning in the mirror, 
you're looking better this morning than you were looking last year. Come on, somebody. How many look a little better? I know we like to do selfies and all that stuff. What is it, duck, duck, what do you call it, duck, 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 goose? Come on, somebody. Duck, duck lips or duck what? Come on, somebody. You know what you need to put on that camera is a picture when you first came in. That's what I need to put on my camera. When I look at it, like, whoa. Come on, somebody. I don't remember how you looked then and how you look now. How many feel better this morning? Come on. How many feel a little better now than when you first got saved? Come on, somebody. You start looking good again. He gives you your shout back. He gives you your movement back. He gives you your fellowship back, and he gets you looking good again. We went yesterday. I bought a suit. About two of them. Come on. Hey. I was in the bless me box when I first came in. I had me a 56. 56. And I, and I stapled it on the bottom. Come on, somebody. Came into the church flossing like, yeah, boy. What up? Come on, somebody. Huh? Looking bad when I first came in, but I thank God for his faithfulness that not only does he save us, but he gets us looking good again. How many are looking good here this morning in the name of Jesus? Now remember, as I get close, very close to closing, is that the Lord always starts with the end in mind. And with these bones, not only did he give them their shout back, not only did he give them their, their, their movement back and get their fellowship back and get them looking good again, but the Bible says they stood up as a vast army. Everybody loves to get their shout back. Everybody loves to get looking good again. But when it comes to the call of joining the army, ooh, it's uncomfortable. Some churches don't even challenge. They stay away from that. Just get right. But God's design has always been to be a part of the army. Always. When you look biblically at scripture, God always starts at one condition. But his ultimate goal is for them to take their place in the kingdom of God at whatever capacity. I'm not saying you're going to leave your job and go to the other side of the world. No. But whatever is just being a witness at your workplace or just being a witness somewhere here or just letting someone else know that, that Jesus loves them. But so many shrink back. The Bible says, so I pro prophesied and breathed life into them and they stood on their feet, a vast army. God's call ultimately as the musicians make their way is not only to give us our shout back, not only to give us our movement back, not only to give us our fellowship back, but he's always getting us to take our place in the family and the army of the living God. You see this take place with David in the cave. Give me a few seconds here. You, you see this take place with David in the cave. When David was in the cave, the Bible says all those who were discontent and in debt gathered around him in that cave. In other words, they came in in a certain condition, but David began to minister to these, this group of people that were in that cave, and those group of people became David's mighty men. Not only did they come into the cave to get ministered to, but they stayed on the journey with David and became a part of the army. When the children of Israel came across out of Egypt, they came out as a bunch of slaves. But God's vision for them was to become a part of the army, cross the Jordan River, and take the promised land. So he delivered them in one condition, but caused them to take their place in another condition. See, God's ultimate plan has always been to raise up an army. 
And how many know that we as the ministry of Victory Outreach, we know that we come in in one condition and God gives us our shout back, gives us our movement back, but then we begin to take our place in the army of the living God. That's what Run for Hope is. Come on, somebody. That's what United We Can is because we believe in taking souls back from Satan for the honor and the glory of Jesus Christ. Time and time again, God has shown us that his vision is to take a group of people, minister to them, meet their needs, and raise them up for his honor and his glory. Dry bones became a vast army. David in the cave became David's mighty men. The children of Israel crossed the Red Sea as slaves, became an army, and went into the cross the Jordan. The ministry of victory outreach. Many of us came in broken, distressed, and hopeless. But today, we are the largest inner city ministry in the world. Not because of just being passive in our Christianity. Come on. I am addicted to the cause. Who else sings that? My God. Huh? With victory outreach tattooed on my heart. And then break. I was breaking. I'm looking at all these flags and I'm breaking. And I'm, and I'm thinking, man, we are a heavy ministry. Come on, somebody. And we know it was Jesus. We know Jesus saved us. We know Jesus was the one that, that has used the ministry of Victory Outreach. We understand that Victory Outreach didn't change us. We know, but we also thank God that he raised up a ministry like Victory Outreach that would put up with someone like us. Come on, somebody. But that would minister to us, that would have a place for someone. I'm not sure if I would have made it if they would have took me somewhere else. I'm not sure if that church would have understood me. I'm not sure if that church would have understood me but God knew he needed to raise up a ministry that would understand a guy like me so yes I know it was the Lord but I thank God for the ministry of victory outreach I need you to clap a little bit if you're grateful for the ministry come on you can come in hallelujah come on somebody we are an army that God wants to raise up all over the world So many shy away from that challenge. They get their shout back. They get looking good again. They get their, get their dignity back. Their mind back. But then it comes time to challenge. Come on. God has brought you up. And yes, I have a blessed life. He doesn't take my life. Every time I say yes, I get new blessings and new breakthroughs. As I put the kingdom of God first, seek ye first the kingdom of God and everything else. I got a decent car over there in South Africa. It's a BMW, BMW, buddy. Dipping, come on, somebody. Huh? Just got blessed with a beautiful house that we're living in. I told the United We Can people, I don't need to go on vacation. They say, you're going to go take some time when you go home? I said, no. I'm just going home. We got a beautiful house that I'm going back to. God blesses. He doesn't take. God's not a taker. God doesn't say join the army and I'm going to take things from you. He says join the army and I'm going to give more to you because I want you to be more effective. God don't get no glory when we're broke. Come on, somebody. God don't get no glory when we're broke down. He needs to bless to get glory. Come on, somebody. And as you put him first and as you seek him first and as you take your place in the army of the living God, he continues to provide. He continues to bless. He continues to raise up our children. He is a good God. But so many shy away 
from the challenge of becoming a part of the army. I thank God for Victory Outreach, that they never got away from challenging us. I thank God that Pastor Steve would preach messages to us. And he would tell us, I overdosed on heroin nine times. The devil should have got me when he had a chance. And I would hit my heart. And I would think about my life. And I would think, man, the devil should have got me when he had a chance. Because now that God's given me my life back, I'm going to take my place in the kingdom of God. And I'm going to snatch as many souls from the enemy as I possibly can. Not only in America, but I'm going to go to the Philippines and snatch some souls out of the I'm going to go over here to Indonesia and snatch some souls. I thank God for the ministry that never shies away from challenging God's people to take their place. How many want to take their place like never before? I want you to lift up your hands all over this place. Hallelujah. Come on.